Hello and welcome to TOEFOP. I'm Charlie Clawson. Hello, I'm Will Anderson. That was a good one. Yeah. That was a good I start. don't quite know how to say it. I thought that was uh, your best one could, so far. So this could well be the best podcast we've done. Just like you've started well. You've got out of the blocks like a champion. Yeah, kicked a goal in the first quarter. Yeah, totally. Did got some, the momentum. Did some flashy things. Uh, you, right now you might be celebrating a bit too hard. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> the fact that it was five seconds of good work and we spent 45 seconds patting each other on the back. Yeah. Saying good job, well done. You know my favourite um, footy metaphor used to get when you were being coached as a junior? Would that say, oh, mate, don't spend it before you get it. Oh. <laughs> I just love that idea of like spending the cash before you get it. Like going for the fucking big mark or you're already playing on kicking the goal. Mate, he had it, but he spent it too early. Yeah, <laughs> it's totally. such a beautiful metaphor. But, it, well, you know, in, in our modern day credit card society, people do spend it before. They get it. They get it. So, you know. Were, those coaches were right. They were right. Don't spend it before you get it, mate. It was a metaphor for broader society. If only more kids had played junior footy, they would understand there the would credit be system. No, there would have been no GFC. That's right. There would have been no global no, collapse of the economy. Oh, no, no Geelong Football Club. Oh, yeah, or Geelong Football Club. <laughs> no, there would have been a GFC, just no GFC. Yeah, totally. The GFC could have prevented the GFC. <laughs> <laughs> um, we're uh, still in LA. Yep. And um, we had uh, an interesting uh, catch-up today with someone who just dropped into conversation that they had worked in the porn industry briefly. And that um, got me thinking, and this is a story I had never told, and I said to Will today, and we make sure we're going to say that for TOEFOP, because that's what we do now with our our good stories. We press pause. Um, Actually, you know what? We're having a lot of filler conversations. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) Every time we stumble into some good area of conversation, we just have to put pause on our lives and just go back to mundane shit to fill in again. We're tantric conversationalists. We just draw out the ecstasy. We just wait and wait and wait. I really just hope it's going to be worth it. Yeah, I was going to say, I'm talking this story up now. Maybe it's a shit. But um, yeah, so we met this chick who worked in porn and then I remembered that I had porn shot at my house a few times. Now, which house? (laughs) Did you have porn shot at? And I assume you're in not Melbourne. talking about the last place I lived in in Melbourne. The fact that you and Gemma have cameras no, no, no. and stuff. No, no, no. Professional. And she's a professional director Pro- and profe- you can produce a little thing. <laughs> professional porn, like this is like the real deal. And and it was in your Melbourne place. Yeah, it wasn't penis. It wasn't <laughs> penis and vagina porn. It was lesbian. Oh yeah, there's some lesbian sex and some masturbation kind of stuff. Really? Yeah. Tell me more. Okay, so... How did this come about? Well, we were moving to Sydney, right? Yeah. And so we started, like, going to markets to sell off a lot of our stuff. Yeah. And we were at one stall, and we were just chatting to the chick next to us who was selling, like, uh, rock memorabilia or something like that. <laughs> yeah. And she was just asking, you know, where we lived and stuff, and she said, have you got a, a big house? And we said, yeah, we've got quite a bit of space. And she's like, oh, I actually work as a production manager for these photo shoots, and they're always looking for places to shoot. And I was immediately like, what kind of photo shoot? Yeah. So what it is, it's a website, and they, I can't remember what they're called. They're quite popular. Most people, I mean, from what I can tell, like, it's quite a popular amateur website. Huh. It's called, like, I don't know, something or another. But it's basically girls, but alternative kind of models, so kind of like normal girls, not like, you know, your sort of Vegas type, you know, tan chicks. It's like natural models, alternative tattoos, piercings and stuff. Abbywinters.com. That's it. Yeah. That's it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You know it. Okay, yeah, cool. I know it. So Abby went to his um, location scout and they said, you know, we'll pay you whatever amount. It was, it was a good chunk of change. Yeah. And um, they're very discreet. It's all female crew. They just come in, they do their thing and, you know, you won't know they're there. So I said to Gemma... <laughs> Wouldn't you want to know they're there? <laughs> Wouldn't you be setting up your own cameras around the house? Just going, look, I just want to do a behind-the-scenes making-of documentary well, on what you're doing. No, they basically rent your house. Like, yeah. you're, you're not allowed to stay. They just right. give you a call when they're done. So it's like... Um, 
So I asked Gemma and Gemma was like, yeah, fuck it, why not? Like, we're mm. moving out of the house anyway. Probably would have been a bit weird if we are going to stay in there. Yeah. But um, they came yeah, and they did Yeah, they'd certainly it. have to get a cleaner in. Yeah, that's... In between well, no, the they, shoot. Or they do that themselves. I don't, they don't hire a cleaner, but they... Do, I mean, they are very discreet. Like, yeah. when they turned up... So, you know, we said, okay, cool. So they said, well, on, you know, Tuesday, these girls will come around. So they knock on the door and it's two... They look like um, photography students from, yeah. like, an arts campus, you know, two girls. And um, they're really young. And they sort of come in, they have a look around and... And I'm showing them the house as if it's like an inspection. And in my head, I'm like, oh, wow, I'm actually showing them around. I'm like, there's good light here. This might be yeah. a nice spot to... Uh, uh, I've often masturbated in this room. Yeah. <laughs> uh, this is like, a good, you can get a really good angle on the bed. You'll notice... No, one, no but, one can see in the window. I've checked. So this is this is a fine place. There's just like stalagmites hanging from the roof of just jizz. <laughs> <laughs> my favorite uh, wanking room. Uh, so Jim and I you know, went to go out and the model came in and she was wearing this like giant fur coat. And like had this blonde wig on and stuff, and she sort of she's tiny. She marched in, and you know they just shut the door, and we went you know to a cafe for a few hours, and they called and said you can come back. You went down the cafe for a few hours while some people made porn in your well, house. Well, just it was just a nude chick this one time, mm. but then the next time they had two girls like shagging on our on our um on the floor of our living room. Really? Well, you know because you, we weren't we didn't get copies of anything like that. Like you don't get to see it. But I would want a copy. But I went to the website and I saw like our fucking living room in this porno. This girl, like, is getting eaten out by another girl on our living room floor. And you're like, I lived there. Yeah. I used to sit there. I yeah. played with the dog there. Yeah. That's that's pretty cool. Yeah. I mean, it's not... I mean, that would be a thing, because you know how they meant to you... tell you if there's been a murder in your house. Yeah. If you're buying real estate. Yeah. And, and like, the price goes down if there's been a murder. Yeah. That'd bump the price up. Just going, there was okay. some pretty hot lesbian porno made here <laughs> just last week. I'm in. <laughs> Yeah, it's kind of a conversation you, starter about you know your what, house. But you know what my old house looked like? It kind of looked like a bit of a swingers pad. It was like a red brick 70s kind of, we called it the chalet because it looked like it should have been in like the snow. It did. It, like it a did. And it was always kind of dark inside. Yeah. Like it, it always seemed like it was kind of a bit other otherworldly. It looked like porn should be shot in there. Yeah. It was the the house of porn. Yeah, it did. It, it had it, one, it was one of those houses that looked like um, there would be Boogie Nights style parties. Yeah, totally. Like, you know, because you had that kind of spiral staircase in the middle too, which was very good for sort of, yeah. you know, like I always had this image that when everyone was down in your lounge room and they'd be playing records or like they'd be dancing around yeah. or whatever, you could kind of, if only you could have seen from the top of those stairs because you could have just stood there. Yeah. Like you were like at, you know, Studio 54. That's right. And you're like, welcome all. Yeah, you just, I've just come down from a huge line of coke. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I'm wearing like sunglasses indoors at night. All the girls are on roller skates yeah. for some reason That's that no right. one can explain. I would have loved to be an artist in those days. Or to go to Studio 54. Yeah, I mean, you know, like, a, I mean, I'm, I know the comics weren't like the, the, you know, the first round draft choices yeah. when it came to cool artists, oh, but... Well, you got in the be- 70s? No, yeah. there would have been. That wasn't like uh, Lenny Bruce or someone kind of like yeah, a Yeah, totally. Star. I guess there would be like, you know... Cool the, comedians. You know, Sam Kennison and, you know, yeah. Belushi and... Yeah, yeah, yeah like of that. course, yeah. You know, but yeah, I would have loved that, I reckon. What do you, what aspect of it? Just the, the abandon? Yeah, and I love the idea. Like, I've always been fascinated by the idea of, like, I'd love to have my own art space. Like, one of my, if I ever won Tats Lotto or something like that, what I think I'd do is just buy, like, a, a you know, a warehouse, a factory somewhere, yeah. and turn it into a, an art space. Like Andy Warhol's factory. Yeah, totally. And I would have, like, a comedy room and a performance stage for music and stuff, and a few rooms where people could come and, like, just play chess and like I imagine there might be some like bedrooms and sort of rooms that were kind of surrounded it so it was kind of like a communal sort of house where artists are in town or bands or DJs or whatever so in other words you wanted to be Hansel from Zoolander 
on Yes, Lawson. that is exactly you what I want. Midgets riding a half pipe and like Sherpas. And, and then I'll drink weird tea and fuck people. Yeah, that's right. That is exactly what I want. <laughs> you, have, you have nailed that. Uh, but there is, there, there's a real fascination with that sort of, even, even today I, I often think about that I would just love that space where you could be surrounded by other creative people constantly and they're always doing different things and you yourself could yeah. could do different things because I'm but really that, fascinated by that aspect. It doesn't have to be the 70s for like that. Like those kind of communities still exist now. Like there's a lot of kind of, I mean, there's still art communes and that community is very tight and it is kind of very creative. Like, I mean, I think about it with this, what we're doing here, like, you know, with a podcast. <laughs> yeah, we're artists. No, I think there's a community. Of podcasters. Of podcasters. Oh, yeah, totally. It's a and, like, you know, there are people who, like, you know, we've talked to people based purely on the fact that we do a podcast and they do a podcast. And so mm. we're part of, like, in the same way as I'm part of the comedy community or when you're an actor, you're part, you, know, you kind of have a shorthand you can have with other actors even if you don't, you know, know them. I, don't, I haven't discussed podcasting with anyone. People don't like you, Charlie. <laughs> Most of the conversations I have with other podcasters are like, how do you put up with Charlie? <laughs> like, seriously, he's not even that good with the technical stuff. Not even. Yeah. <laughs> like, what do you mean he's not is even that, that is good? Is that why? He's no good. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And I don't think, I mean, I, I'm not saying that to be like contrary. I'm just mm. saying, I actually, when I think about it, you're the only person I talk to about it because when I try and tell most people what we do, they don't get it. Like a lot of people don't. I'd say the majority of people don't quite get podcasts or they think that a podcast is like a, a best of compilation. And when you try and explain to people like, you know. Yeah, it's ours is the opposite. We leave all the worst stuff in. <laughs> <laughs> it's like the opposite of a best of. It's more like a fucking needle in a haystack. That's what we are. Yeah. If you can listen through enough of it, you might find one fucking decent bit of entertainment. Yeah. Um, but no, but I, I think that that's the cool thing about it as well is that, you know, we have these some people out there who are listening to this show mm. and responding to it and giving us feedback about yeah. it, which is really cool, and no one else gets it. Yeah. So it's like we're all members of this, like, yeah. exclusive club at yeah. the moment, and we all kind of get the joke. We're all in on the joke together, yeah. and no one else fucking gets it yeah. at all. I and I, love, I like that. I love when I get, like, a Kathy Bates reference sent to me. That always makes me laugh because that was such a throwaway, arbitrary kind of line. I know, something we'd never thought of before, and now I know there are people who can not watch a Kathy Bates movie <laughs> without thinking of her on a Lazy Susan and us having to stick our dick into whichever hole. And I'm not trying to say it's like, you know, we came up with something hilariously funny and we're geniuses. What I'm saying is like the fact that other people are bringing it back and sort of building on the joke. Like when people come back with Kathy Bates stuff, they've taken what I think is, you know, a funny idea and made it like 10 times as funny. Some of the stuff people write on Facebook cracks me up. Like all, you know, videos that they've posted and stuff. And it's like, that is hilarious. You've taken what was an interesting thing by us well, you know, just a trivial thing and made it, like, so fucking funny. Yeah, I know. It's brilliant. I mean, I, I've always been fascinated by hearing that and other things, though. And I mean? think we've both spoken before about, like, there were fans of Kevin Smith and, yeah. and what he's done with his podcasting and stuff. And he always talks about how you can see Anne Heche's asshole, asshole yeah. in uh, Psycho. and The it, Psycho remake. And it became all these... Like, you know, everyone got fascinated by this and it became a thing that he was known for. And then the other day, when I was sitting here by myself at night, when you were out at a fucking acting job or something, I honestly was like, you know what? I'm going to look that up <laughs> and have a look and, and if I can see Anne Heche's asshole. Did you? And based on that Kevin Smith thing. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, kind of. 
Yeah, right. Yeah, kind of. But because I, I, the weird thing for me about that was... Were you was, disappointed? I sat next to Anne Hayes the other day. Did you really? Yeah, I played with a kid. You should have just leaned over and said, excuse me. Excuse me. Oh, this won't take long. Can we see your asshole in, in Psycho? Or could you just show it yeah. to me now? Yeah. I think that would have been weird because she was there with her husband. Yeah, that would have been weird. Like, I mean, maybe it wasn't the first time that she'd been asked. But we were actually mucking about. Like, she was actually sitting next to me at the cafe and her kid was, like, mucking around at our table and everything. Yeah. And the whole time, it's hard to have a conversation with somebody when you're pretending, A, that you don't know who they are because we were just, like, you know, getting along as if two people were sitting at the table. It wasn't us going, hey, you're Anne Haish. Yeah. Um, didn't you used to be a lesbian? Isn't that a kid? What happened? And But the whole time I'm there just going, oh, my God, I've laughed at talk about your asshole so much in the last couple of months and now I'm sitting next to you talking. <laughs> is it weird if um you know how people brown eye as kind of like a fuck you? Yeah. If someone asked to look at your asshole, that's kind of like an invasion of privacy, isn't it? That's like kind of you feel you'd feel violated if someone said, Let me look at your asshole. Like that would be that's kind of well, it depends invade, what, depends invaders. what the tone of their but voice you would, was. You might flash your asshole at someone as a like, fuck you, but yeah. then if someone asked to see your asshole you're like, whoa like, how come the asshole can be both an, an offensive gesture and also, like, you know, something that can be taken from you? Well, I think it's offensive both ways in the way that you've described it because you're using it as an offensive gesture and then you're getting offended when somebody... But why don't you wave your dick at someone? Why is the asshole... The asshole is more of a fuck you than... If someone flushes their dick, it's more of like... It's generally like a weird sexual thing. But yeah. they, guys flush their asses all the time. It's just kind of like a ha-ha... It's easier. Kind of it's easier to flash your ass than it is your dick. No, it's easier to flash your dick. Definitely, because you bend over and it just comes straight out of your pants. Whereas if you want to flash your dick, you've got to undo the fucking front of your pants, kind of pull them if down in at an awkward angle if and you're wearing, just wangle it around. If you're wearing tracksuit pants, it'd if be easier to flash your dick. you can't come up with a move just if you're wearing tracksuit pants. What do you mean? Well, you could say it's easy to flash your dick if you're wearing crotchless fucking underpants. Like, you can't get into costume... Like, you've got to have to deal with no, it. You've got to have say, a move that comes with every well, even, time you're in a situation that you're wearing pants. I reckon... The brown I'm, eye is easier than the flush of dick. I don't know about that. That's much easier. Just think about it as physics. Yeah, but if you don't wear underpants. A lot right? of people don't wear underpants. But you've, it can't think be. about it. You, you are can't facing, come up with all these hey, special rules. No, no, listen, we'll break it down. If I'm facing you... Yes. ...and I need to flash either my dick or my asshole yeah. at you... Is it what what happens faster if I undo my pants and yeah. just flash my dick without moving, or undo my pants and then have to turn around and bend over? One, this one is like one motion. The other one is like one, two, three motions. Uh, I would say an expert about, in bioengineering. No, would come I would in say, and say they're about equal anyway. Because oh bullshit! All you have to do is spin around quickly and drop your dax for your for your asshole. Whereas, like, for. Yeah, you, but that's a turn. Yeah. And then undo the pants and then bend over. There is Spin one movement. Undo. If I wanted to flash my dick, I just have to undo my pants and yank them down. Yeah, I reckon it'd be about the same. But here's the thing you're not always going to be facing the person that you need to do this to. In fact, in a lot of times, it's, you know, the, it's the final gesture. Yeah. It's right. your exclamation point you're around away from someone. So you've walked away. Like, you're far away. <laughs> so you're already in position, or you're on, like, the bus and they're outside. And the best thing to do is, like, turn your ass and like squash it and it's much easier to bend that way and squash your ass against a window than it is to bend the well, other way well now you're bringing and, in and, and like but, squash your dick against but now you're bringing window. in other factors like pressing it up against glass yeah. we were saying just to flash of course pressing yeah, your ass but is the, but the pressing against glass you can't have that as a separate category that's a pressed, of the brown fr- that's a pressed fruit bowl yeah oh the, no pressed ham oh. is your ass and pressed fruit bowl is, is the, has uh, the your dick and balls dick and balls right. as well um, but you can't count that as a, a distinct category. That is part of the general brown eye category. And it would be a major contributor to that category would be on board bus 
arse pressing. brown eyes and arse pressing. How, be how tall are these kids that they're pressing their asses up against bus windows? Oh, I mean, inside the bus, outside. I think, yeah. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I didn't really think that through. <laughs> you did not. Well, I thought they were no, flushing their no, legs no, in no, the bus. They were playing uh, football, uh, stilts on stilts football, yeah. against the kids from Hogwarts. <laughs> And they were all doing brown eyes off the back of their broomsticks. <laughs> Remember that book, Brown Eyes and Broomsticks? It was a classic. Um, so, yes, I think it's easier. It's, uh, so a brown eyes is still considered, do you reckon it's still a relevant offensive gesture? Yeah, I reckon. It makes a statement. It definitely makes a statement. But it's done, but it has so many levels of interpretation. Like your friends will flash you your ass and it's like funny. And then, you know, a guy could flash his ass and it's like a fuck you. Yeah. And the girl flashes her ass and it's just awesome. <laughs> I've never seen that. I've never seen a girl flash her ass. Oh, uh, yeah, no, I've seen that. When? At school or something? Yeah. And You're like, Mum? <laughs> <laughs> on Australia's Next Top Model? There was an episode of Australia's they Next bra- Top Model. They brown eyed. Yeah, out the bus. They were in a bus. The girls all put their asses up against yeah. the window. Yeah. Wow, to who? Um, just in general, they were driving through the streets. And this is of... Australia's next top model. Yeah, yeah, it wouldn't be America's next top model, but Australia's next top model. I like fucking oh, press stamps. It, 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 it wasn't let it to lady or whatever the show's called. Uh, no, no, it was, it was top model. So yeah. did they get in trouble? Yeah, they got in trouble. It was unmodel like behaviour. Well, depends what kind of model you are. <laughs> <laughs> if you model in like chunky asses, then it's probably. Very model-like behaviour. I think that's very discriminatory. There's lots sure of ass models. Yeah, but it isn't Australia's next top ass model. You know what I mean? To be fair to them yeah. and the producers of the program, they're only judging the girls through the parameters that have been assigned by the program. But you wouldn't be offended if you saw, like, a busload of pretty girls all, like, moon you. That wouldn't be... You wouldn't be offended, would you? I would not be offended. I'd be offended that they were going too fast, that I couldn't... Slow down. Have a decent Slow that bus down. Like, it'd be great. You could go along. You, no. Uh, yeah, I, I think that would be great. They're all pressed up against an emergency window. The window just shatters. You just see fucking models hitting the asphalt at 60 miles an hour, bouncing off their asses. Oh, man. Uh, I, uh, <laughs> I, I once uh, was with a friend of mine who's a comedian who I won't name because you'll understand why I won't name him. Well, let's call it, give him a pseudonym. All right. Um, uh, um, <laughs> can only think of his real name. <laughs> Just fucking change the change the names uh, around. Have Jews. Okay, right. So <laughs> hates um, Jews. <laughs> yeah, my, <laughs> who's this comic? <laughs> it's a terrible, terrible name for a comic. I mean, you'd want to have a pretty good act. If, <laughs> if, that, you if yourself, that was your name, hates Jews. Like to to sustain a career, like yeah. one off. But it, it's even hard to. I mean, you just have. I think you'd get the wrong crowd to your gigs. Yeah. Just based on your name. Yeah, I think so. You know? <laughs> like, you go, I'm selling really well for a new act at the comedy but festival. is his name spelt differently? It's like spelt H-A-Y-T-E-S-J-O-O-S. Yeah. It's Jews. It's Jews. It's just from, like, I don't know. It's from, like, Colombia or something. Yeah. It's Jews. It's Jews. It's Jews. I'm moving to Hollywood. We don't recommend that. I was uh, driving my friend around and we drove past the school and all these, like, uh, like year 12 schoolgirls were getting off the bus and he made me drive back just so that uh, we could walk by so that they could all recognise him. <laughs> oh, wow. Wow. I probably didn't need to change his name because I think he tells that story quite okay. I don't think... <laughs> But uh, I, I did love it. Did you ever um, 
uh, appreciate how uh, attractive girl, school, girls in school uniform were when you were at school? Or was it only something that you realised afterwards? Because when I was at school, the last thing I wanted was a, a schoolgirl. Like, I just thought, oh, fuck that, like, you know. And then you leave high school and you fantasise about schoolgirls. Why is that? Yeah, you know what? That never really happened for me. Like, I understand uh, the, the premise of what you're saying because, you know, it's obviously a, a very common, you know, fantasy. fetish in fantasy, the, the schoolgirl. Um, but it wasn't something I was ever really, like, when I was at school, I was really into schoolgirls. <laughs> like, I was because I were the only girls I knew. But I did think that school dresses and the way girls looked in their school clothes was really, really sexy. But I don't think I don't think guys when they fantasize about schoolgirls are fantasizing about schoolgirls. Like I don't. I fantasize about adult girls in school uniforms. Oh yeah, totally. No, no, yeah. I agree with you. But but there's something about it takes you back to that time. Yeah. What, it, when anything's impossible. Well, you know what the thing is? You're not fantasizing about being a, like a because you don't get with like an adult girl yeah. and get her to dress up as a schoolgirl. Like she's she's twenty five, mm-hmm. but you, she's in a school uniform. You don't reenact like you don't finger each other on the you know on the <laughs> on the beach. You don't you don't go to the park and dig yeah. up that bag of goon that you'd uh, hidden last Wednesday. That's right. <laughs> get and drunk you, and then try and finger in the park. Yeah, and then she like rubs the front of your jeans too much, and like the zipper rubs against your cock, <laughs> and your cock hurts, and it's not even really pleasant. But you think you should keep going, and your jaw hurts because you're kissing too much, and you're not really sure. You don't go back to that. <laughs> Like, that is not the fantasy you're looking after. I think the fantasy is you get the opportunity as an adult to be the confident, yeah, yeah. sexual, yeah. whatever person that could have had sex with all those girls that you yeah, loved they, they, when they you were ta- in high school they, they, they who didn't, didn't talk, talk to you, to you yeah. and that you were so awkward and so... Yeah. I mean, I think a lot of, you know, the person I became uh, came from being so, like, romantic as a like a high school kid yeah. and so like I found it impossible to talk to girls and I had no like you know I loved girls so hard like I would just fall fucking desperately in love with girls and do awkward embarrassing not good things no girls wanted to go out with me or anything so it was like you know that would be the I think for me that would be the fantasy is like you can go back now and be like cool oh no this is alright like it worked out okay for me I'm cool I'm alright did you um write love letters Oh, dear God. Uh, this girl <laughs> contacted me on Facebook the other day who I was in love with when I was about 13, 14, right? And uh, so this is like, you know, 20 odd years ago. Um, uh, and and we got in contact on, on Facebook. And I haven't seen her since I was like, you know, 15. But I love this girl so hard. And anyway, we're chatting on Facebook and she's telling me about her fella and their kids and, you know, we're just catching up on life, you know, and it was it was really great to um, to make that contact again because we were really good friends, you know, when we were kids and never, ever talked since. So it was, it was fucking nice and I was really digging it. And um, then she said to me, she goes, I've still got all these letters oh, man. that you wrote me. Oh, my God. Like, because she was leaving yeah. to, to go over to Perth. Yeah. And so I must have written... The most heartfelt, you know, you're leaving, here are all the emotions I have about you. Oh, my God. And she still has those letters. Oh, my God. Did like. You, did you have, did you, she give you a hand job or anything? Nothing. Oh, wow. You wrote all these letters and you didn't get anything back? No. Did you even kiss her? No. Wow. Nothing. Wow. I loved her. Yeah. 
But no, I didn't kiss her. And what? she still has the letters. Poems? She could probably sell those. Were like, they just letters weekly or they for poems? $50. Was it something? like, you know, the moon is your hair and the sun glistens like per- eternal yearning for which my... Was it stuff like that? Or? I don't think so. Okay. I think I probably would have been trying to use humour. What a shock. To, <laughs> to win her over. Yeah. You know, I would have thought that was probably my best bet as a chubby, you know, high schooly kid. Yeah. Uh, that I, I, I would use my wit... And my charm, but I don't know if I would have had either of those things. My first ever girlfriend um, asked me to write her a love letter because she wrote me one. Right. And uh, I didn't know what to write. <laughs> and so I wrote out the lyrics to um, Alice Cooper's Only Women Bleed. <laughs> Do you know the lyrics? <laughs> Please, tell me. Man got his woman to take his seed. She's got the power, oh, he's got the need. Only women bleed. Only women bleed. Only women bleed. I wrote that and gave it to her and she thought it was the most beautiful thing and she showed it to all her friends and stuff and they're like, wow, man, you you wrote really good poetry and it's like, yeah, it's from Alice Cooper. It's Alice Cooper yeah. and it's the subject matter is not appropriate. No, she's 16. Yeah, but, but you shouldn't be bleed. writing a no, but poem song... about people fucking sticking their seat at each other and women bleeding when she's it's 16. It's a beautiful song about womanhood. About women... And about sticking your seat in a woman and her bleeding. No, man got his woman to take his seed. Yeah. She's got the power. Yeah. He's got the He's need. He's got the need to yeah. stick his fucking seed in her. Yeah. His filthy seed. But that's the whole song, I think. And I'm pretty sure it's a metaphor about, like, you know, what women have to endure. Like, a woman's lot is harder than a man's. It's yeah. like a folk song for women. <laughs> it's actually a feminist <laughs> it's song. It's an empowering thing to write to a, a young woman. Well, but... Well, you believe that I'm going to shoot my seed in you. <laughs> and I didn't even come up with this. Ellis Cooper did. <laughs> He's a man who looks like a lady. <laughs> He bites the heads off chickens, but later in life will become quite Republican. It's weird. It is weird. Him and fucking, um, is it Johnny Ramone? Yeah, Johnny Joey was the li- li- liberal one and Johnny is the conservative one. Isn't that weird? That fucking two punk rockers would be so conservative. It's so shocking. Yeah, I know. It's weird, isn't it? But it just goes to show that, like, when it comes to politics, it's so, like, people really are individuals. Like, I think there are generalizations and stereotypes of both, but I think ultimately in that middle ground, you know, where someone's allegiances are, it's sometimes really hard to tell. I'm always surprised. It's like finding out a celebrity is a Scientologist. You're like, wow, really? I did not see that coming. Yeah. Or a Buddhist. Buddhist, I say coming. I no. reckon. Really? Yeah. Like some, I mean, it just seems like every time someone's like the Beastie, ever, the Beastie Boys. Yeah. Did you, you saw that coming? You just go, yeah, they're Buddhists. No, yeah, I didn't definitely. See that. Like, because it always seems like, you know, people just kind of find, you know, peace with the world or whatever. And they become Buddhists. Yeah. Whereas, like, Scientologists seems... I don't know why. Like, I mean, they're both just religions of different descriptions, aren't they? Like, you know, I don't know. That's my personal prejudice, I guess, that's going, you know, it's cool that the Beastie Boys became Buddhists, but it's creepy that, you know, so-and-so becomes a Scientologist. That's just my prejudice. But I'm surprised when people are surprised about Scientology. Because I guess, like, I mean, they are... They've built their whole... Um, public image on celebrity. Yeah. So yeah. to find out that another person you know in the public eye is a Scientologist, it sort of shouldn't be a surprise. That's right. I guess. They, they built this city on rock and roll. They, it was the words of Starship. They, it was like, well, you know, their, their whole thing is like, you know. Xenu. Is, yeah, well, it is, yeah, Xenu. That's true. Yeah. Um, which that, that's what he's called, yeah? The, he's the alien who sent all the spirits to Earth. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, Xenu. Uh, been watching a lot of sport. Yes. Basketball. Yeah. Been uh, watching a lot of basketball. Because you're, you're into it. You're really digging it. 
Yeah, I, I, I don't mind basketball. It's it's been really it's been because they play it all the time. Yeah, here. like it's really easy to get back into it, and I've really enjoyed it. I I went a couple of times. Justin and I went and sat courtside at the Lakers and the Clippers. Yeah, and it was amazing. Like it was one of the best experiences that I've ever had in my life. I had such a good time. Yeah, and uh, it's. Um, is on all the time. And I just, I thought if this was AFL football, if AFL football was on this often, mm. I Never leave I would have to quit my life. But don't you reckon basketball? Just stay in. Like, I, I like it. I think yeah. it's a good sport, but it always feels like it boils down to the final two minutes. Like, you yeah. know, it's not like you see kind of, you know, a blowouts that often. And it generally becomes like an arm wrestle towards the end. And like I was saying to you, if it was like sex, it's almost like it's tantric sex where you sort of get these teasers along the way and then finally there's like the big finish at the yeah. end but it seems to go forever and it gets drawn out and then it I'm stops saying, and it starts yeah but where it stops there's a little time out yeah yeah you think it's gonna finish and then there's overtime whereas i reckon like afl like mm. it, it's like constant sex it's like having like you know sex five times in one night like there's yeah. lots of fucking highlights and then there's all drama the whole way through yeah and then there's probably a point about three quarters of the way through where one of them is really enjoying it and the other, the other one actually not wants it to it. stop yeah. and they have to keep going. Yeah. Sometimes, yeah. Sometimes it's a domination. Sometimes it's, you know, it's just an arm wrestle. Sometimes it's unwanted. Yeah. And sometimes if they manage to climax at exactly the same time, uh, then they have to, to come back next week. But then you've got soccer, yeah. which is like having sex on, on drugs. Yeah. Because you fucking like do it, you keep going, you're going, you're going, and yeah. going. Maybe like, gonna, maybe gonna get it. No, 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 no. I'll just no. keep going and going, going, and going, going, no, going, no. Go. no, no. And then if you actually do at any stage come, you celebrate. Yeah, like for crazy. a very long time. <laughs> <laughs> this is brilliant. And all your mates bust in, and you do a conga line around the bedroom. <laughs> um, so you've been uh, going to lots of different auditions. Yep. Um, what, what's that process like? Uh, you know what? It's actually quite different to Australia. It's, uh, this, I'm over here for pilot season. For yeah. those who don't know, um, uh, in the States, at the start of every year is when everyone, all the networks, look at pilots to put on air that year. So yeah. they'll shoot roughly 30 pilots, like sitcoms, dramas, that kind of stuff. Of that, 80, maybe 10 will get will go to air. But it's a very busy time in Hollywood and it's a great time for actors from Australia and the UK to come to Hollywood because there's a lot of work and a lot of auditions going around. Um, so that's what I've come over to do. And it's a very, um, it's a very much like, you know, you are in the middle of a very busy time because it's very production line. Like I said to you the other day, when you do an audition in Australia, you pretty much come in like doing the role. Like, you know, you don't have the script in your hand, you've rehearsed it, you're ready to go and you'll do the scene, you'll act it out. Whereas when you go on your first uh, audition in the States, they kind of expect you to have your script in your hand and most of the time you'll just sit opposite the casting person. They might not even be filming the audition and they'll just talk to you. And it's definitely like they just want you to walk in the door yeah. <laughs> to make sure that, you know, yeah. you look like your headshot and yeah. that you sat and you can put two words together yeah. and stuff. That you haven't exaggerated and you're actually <laughs> four foot two, not six foot two. That's right. Because he looks great in his photo. Oh, he's a midget. <laughs> I'm telling people I'm 18. Yeah. I'm sending in headshots. It's just like Robert Pattinson. But yeah. Robert Pattinson. <laughs> I, yeah, I guess it's the equivalent of like yeah, internet dating. You could really be using some stuff, you know, from a long time ago. They need to see you in person. Yeah. Um. So basically that first round is really just them going, does he look like what we think the character looks like can he speak i guess so yeah i mean the weird thing is um like it's it's kind of a, a strange uh mentality with you they ask you to have the script in your hand like they they say they want you to read from the script yeah but 
the reason I'm told why they want you to do that is because they think if you memorize it, then you're committed to playing it one way and you won't be able to do it another way, which is a really strange thing because, like, in Australia, actors are used to going in and if the director's like, you know what, try it this way, you go, okay, and you just yeah. change your performance. But here it's like, we just need to, like, circumvent that occurrence and so we'll just, like, you know, go with the script in your hand so we know that, you know, if we need to change it up, it's, it's actually like a, a placebo like, it's just they want to see the script in your hand so that they know if they need to adjust your performance, that you're not too committed to one method of performance. Yeah, right. It's kind of strange, huh? That is really strange. Because yeah. I would have thought it would also be easier to change your performance if you knew what it was you were going to say. No, you, you meant to have your lines learned. This is yeah. why it's a placebo. You're just holding the script in your hand. Right. You're not reading off the script. Like, you can, you know, maybe shoot your eyes down, but, like... Like, you'll see actors in the waiting room, like American actors, and they've learned, everyone has learnt it, yeah. but they just want to know. It's like... You know, waving a white flag saying, don't worry, like, this is just one way I've interpreted the audition, but I can do others. Right. Mm. Maybe they just need to see that you can hold a script. <laughs> <laughs> like, You're going to be carrying a lot of documents yeah. in this new medical drama. <laughs> <laughs> That's right. Uh, you are playing a lot, young lawyer's assistant. Uh, there is a lot of paperwork. Can you hold a piece of paper? That was uh, the running joke when I did Canal Road. Uh, my character uh, barely did anything, <laughs> but I carried documents in and out of frame. Like, if you watch any episode of Canal Road, which you probably won't, I'm pretty sure they've, they've, they've rounded up all copies and, and burnt them. Taped over them. And when they burnt them, like a giant <laughs> skull formed with black smoke and, like, flames for eyes. <laughs> <laughs> No, I think occasionally uh, on Channel 9 you can see new TV shows that have been shot over the, the top of the tape. And so, like, if the show runs just a little bit early, you can just see, like, the credits of Canal Road come up underneath or something like that. It must be fucking... Um, I mean, if you launch a TV show, that's an expensive process. Yeah. If you decide to pull the plug after a couple of weeks, that's a huge fucking call. You yeah. know what I mean? Like, that's a lot of money and a lot of time has gone into that. Like... You better be sure. Or they bet, I mean, the networks must be sure. And TV is one of those jobs where they just do that. Yeah. Where they just go, after two episodes, they just go, no, nah, you're shit. That's essentially like, imagine if your football team played the first two rounds yeah. of the season and yeah. then just went, oh, no, we're clearly rubbish this yeah. year. Yeah, if it had been 2007, Geelong would never have won their premiership. They lost like six of their first seven games. Yeah. Weren't allowed to fucking prove themselves. But it's all advertising, yeah? I mean, I know you're not an expert in advertising, but you do know some advertising people. <laughs> Through osmosis, osmosis, would you yeah. say that it's all about the ratings? Like it's about the advertisers not being happy. Like you've got to pull certain figures if we're giving you this time slot because these guys are paying this amount of money. Is that well, what that's exactly what it that's is. That's exactly what it that's is. That's exactly what it is. Okay. Yeah, it's, I mean, you know, you sell the advertising based on a certain amount of people that you think are going to watch the program. If there's not that people watching the program, you can't the people aren't going to pay for the ads. That's, you know, and that's the business. So, yeah, that's that's definitely... And that's why, like, a lower-rating shows will sometimes try to supplement their uh, costs by they might start to integrate advertising into yeah. the show. So, like, a show like The Block or whatever, where, you know, there's so much product placement and that sort of stuff that it doesn't need to justify as high our numbers because they're giving the advertisers benefit in different ways. Yeah. So... It's like um, product placement in movies. Mm. Like, sometimes it's so... Like, it's so blatant. Have you seen iRobot? Where uh, Will Smith, like, it's the very start of the film and he's getting ready and it's the future. It's like, you know, LA 2040. Yeah. And uh, he pulls out, like, a, a, a box of Converse and opens it, like, you know, with, with the logo right to the camera and then pulls out, like, a Converse and just goes, hmm, thing of beauty. 
It's like I'm sure when the writer wrote this script about this dysotopic future with where sentient robots, that there was not that scene. No, where Will Smith pulls out a Converse and says "Thing of Beauty." Or like it probably the screenwriter, uh, knowing that that's how you pay for the movie, just wrote in the script: Will Smith brings out whatever we can get the most money for, <laughs> and says, "Oh, it's a thing of beauty." It could well have been uh, a blob doll. Yeah. Whoever had paid the most amount of money would have... When um, we were making a, a music video for, uh, I'll just say a band, um, for a big record company, yeah. <laughs> uh, they had a, a certain budget for us. I think it was like $50,000 or something, which is pretty standard. Yeah. Maybe a bit high these days for music video. But um, they wanted uh, something that's set in the 1930s. They wanted to look like black and white and have this kind of old, sort of old Hollywood feel, which we said, yeah, we can do. We'll shoot on old film, black and white stock, blah, blah, blah. Um, and halfway through the production, we had this like treatment signed off on, which was like, you know, the singer at a, like a kind of, um, underground sort of like, uh, uh, speakeasy, you know, and she's a shantuzi and all this kind of stuff, all period piece. Right. Um, and they had like forced us to do this one and just kept making, yeah, it's got to be period. That's what people like, black and white, black and white. Then, um, halfway through pre-production, they lose half their budget. And so they have to go to, uh, like a sponsor. So do some product placement. And so they go to Technics and they say, um, oh, can we get some decks? You know, if you give us 10 grand, we'll put some of your decks in the music video. And then they go to Vodafone and say, if you give uh, us like a, a mobile phone, we can put it in, give us 10 grand, blah, blah, blah. And so they come back to say, okay, so we just need to get a shot of the turntables and the mobile phone. And we were like, you realize this is 1930s. <laughs> there are no turntables or mobile phones. And they're like, Oh no! Like it's just a stylistic thing now. Like and now, it's no, now longer now it's no longer the 1930s. It's like we've been getting wardrobe designers coming with like 1930s clothes, trying to book like a Rolls Royce, like all this kind of stuff. And it's like you realize <laughs> doesn't suit the time period. It would be one of those things though. You could put it in, and then when people come home, like you know, drunk, high, or stoned from being out on a night on the town and at four o'clock in the morning, put on rage. Yeah, you can really you fucking fuck freak heads. them out. Yeah. Like that's I nearly lost my mind at least three times in my life. I think I've had more emotional breakdowns watching fucking that film clip for Daft Punk's. I think it's for Defunk oh, with, a, with, with the, the dog, dog on crutches. In, on crutches in the fucking Seven yeah. Eleven. And he meets the girl, and then he can't get on the bus and in time. He, that honestly broke your heart it, it bro- like I feel more emotionally connected <laughs> to that film clip than I do to members of my own family <laughs> like I feel that we've shared these like there would have been at least three times where I've come home from a big night out been watching that clip at home by myself and had some sort of emotional response whether it be tears or <laughs> like anger or frustration or fear of death or whatever it is that's been triggered and I feel like now we have me and that film clip have almost a relationship like people who went to fucking Nam together. Yeah. Like that I look at people and go, you don't know. You yeah. weren't there. Have you, have you ever had um, like tears sneak up on you in like something that's completely has like out of the blue? Like I was watching Con Air once. Yeah. Con Air, you know, big dumb action movie, Nicolas Cage, explosions. And the final chase is like, you know, he's like fighting a guy on a fire engine that crashes into like uh, Jupiter's Casino or <laughs> Jupiter's Casino, like... um. Uh, you know, a casino in Vegas. Yeah, on the strip. And then, like, he finally gets off the bus and, like, they're playing, like, fucking Aerosmith or something and his daughter walks up with a... And, and he goes, Daddy! And he reaches down and gives her, like, a teddy bear that he's been, like, cradling for the whole film. 
And then his wife hugs him and kisses him. And I was watching it going, this is... And something happened. Like, I just got choked up. But right up until the moment when I got choked up, I was like, this is horseshit. This is the worst moment. Like, something about the music and the imagery. It was like a confluence of events. It was like, you know how some people can have a stroke because, like, the way light flickers off a, you know, reflection or something. That's what happened emotionally. I had an emotional stroke. Something happened with the music and the images. and the- I'm easily sucked into things. Right. So, like, if, if someone is manipulating you in some romantic comedy or, or whatever mm. to cry, yeah. I will cry. Yeah. I'm, the, like, the easiest... I, 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 yeah, the music gets me in the mood, the way they've shot it, every fucking cliche that they've loaded into that yeah. to manipulate your emotions. Yeah. My brain responds to all those things. The two that come to mind that demonstrate this point more than anything, like, I mean, I'm not even going to tell you about when I watched The Notebook. Are you serious? Like, seriously, man. I think yeah. I developed ovaries and got my period. <laughs> It wasn't only women that bled. After I'd watched, <laughs> after I'd watched a notebook, only will bleed. Only will bleeds. That was the new song that Alice Cooper had to put together. Man, like I nearly died of drink dehydration. Like I needed to get salt and water back into my body because I cried so much at watching that film. But that's meant to make you cry. Yeah. The two that got me was I cried at the end of Miss Congeniality. I haven't seen it. Uh, well, yeah. I know what it's about. Yeah, she's the you know, uh, FBI agent, the, the Dowdy FBI agent. Yeah. Yeah. At the end, when she realizes that, that she is indeed beautiful, oh. <laughs> I cried at that. Um, and then uh, the biggest one was a Rick Moranis film called Little Giants. Oh, the football one. Yeah, it was the Mighty Ducks, but of like junior peewee football. Peewee football. Yeah. And there's a scene where the dad who never watches his son play because he's always away on business comes to the game and I'm sitting in the cinema alone yeah. crying. Yeah. At that I am a sucker for that shit. Yeah. And I don't have kids and I don't want kids. But that shit, that sort of stuff manipulates the shit out of me. Have you ever cried over a book? Besides your own? <laughs> Yeah, each time I each time I finished one of my books and had to send it to the publisher. I'm sorry, I'm sorry, I'm an idiot. I'm sorry. I don't know why you sorry that I spent the money. I'm sorry that we couldn't get out of this contract. (laughs) I'm sorry to the people who have to edit this, who have to read it. I'm sorry that it won't sell as well as you're all hoping, and then I'll feel bad about it. I'm sorry to the people who asked for the book for charity auctions that I send it and it's signed, and then they actually have to auction it off, and it doesn't make any money. The whole process wasn't worth it for anybody. I'm sorry. But apart from that, no. no. <laughs> I remember crying once. Um, I read a book called Beaver Island. Now, you know what? That doesn't sound like a book. Have we talked about this? I don't think so. I, there was a kid's book, and I have been obsessed. This is actually probably a good thing to put out uh, to TOEFOP listeners. There was a book I read as a kid, and it was a, I think it was an English kid who... Um, he's flying his kite and the kite gets, takes him into the air and he flies out through the clouds and lands in a magical land filled with talking beavers. And there is a witch who lives in the land and she's like an evil witch and he helps the beavers unite to defeat the witch. And they wrote, there's definitely two books because I read both of them. And there's a scene at the end when he's saved like the beaver village and, you know, the witch is defeated and he says goodbye to his beaver friends <laughs> and he flies into the sky in his cloud and one of the little... Beavers is waving goodbye, and the, and the kid who's flying away, his name's Philip. And this cute little joke through the whole book has been the little beaver can't get his name right, and the little beaver's waving goodbye and is saying, Bye, Flippip, bye, Flippip. 
and that and that made me cry. <laughs> really? Yeah, like for fucking weeks, I was distraught. I, I read that and I was just so devastated. Like my mother was seriously thinking I needed counselling because I would have to come and sit and talk to her for hours about like, will Philip go back? I was 17 at the time. Yeah. <laughs> Do you think it's one of those things where they're intentionally like Philip Beaver? Does that sound like Philip Beaver? Is that like an intentional joke, like semen stains? His name that? wasn't Philip Beaver, but there was a Philip and a Beaver. Yeah, exactly. Philip Beaver. Was there some sort of... Mayor Filmer Beaver. <laughs> Yeah, that's... Uh, maybe I don't know, but I, look, I, I seriously have googled it, and I, I thought it was called Beaver Island or Beaver House or Beaver Country, or you don't type those words into Google and not get some interesting results. <laughs> well, ones that you have tried to find out what this book is thousands of times, <laughs> but each time some other entry for Beaver Island comes up, you get distracted by that. That's right. Two and a half hours later, Beaver Munches. Yeah, but one day. You'll get there. Yes, you don't know the book I'm talking about. No. My favourite book when I was a kid uh, was a book called I Want to Go Home uh, by an author called Gordon Corman, I'm going to say. That might not be right, but um, it was something like that. And it was about um, these kids at camp and uh, there was like a... uh, Getting raped by their scoutmaster. (laughs) I want to go home. It was pretty dark. Was it really? Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) My favourite book. When I was younger, was a brutal tale of sexual abuse, a group of children under 10 by a scoutmaster. I love that book. In and fact, I, it inspired me. I also enjoyed Hansel and Gretel get raped by the creepy old man who lives in the woods and uh, the magic rape-away tree. <laughs> that were my two favourites. Um, no, I Want to Go Home is not about that. No, um, they're basically two kids meet. One's a um, very sort of nerdy, doesn't like to play sport, doesn't like to get involved, you know, guy, and he befriends this sort of other guy that he thinks is like him but turns out to be this amazing star athlete and, and good at everything. But they, it's the adventures of them trying to escape this, you know, prison camp. And it was funny. Why then a prison camp? Well, it's like a boys. It's not, it's not actually a prison camp. It's, they, they consider it to be like a... What, yeah, so where are they? It's like summer camp. Okay, right. But neither of them want to be there. Yeah, right. So they're constantly trying to escape. Okay. So that's kind of... So it's American. Yeah, it's American. Yeah, right. And it's um, maybe Canadian. I Could be Canadian, home. but it's like... Was there, was there more than one? No, he had another... Bo- like, he had a series of books, but that was, that was the there best was one. one of them. Yeah. Were, they, were they lovers, the two guys? The Probably, The ch- yeah. one and the... I mean, they would have grown it up It sounds like a lovers. story, like it could be an Ang Lee movie. Like, yeah. If it's set in like the 60s. I and- would love to see Ang Lee make a version of I Want to Go Home. Like an adult version with like the sort of subtext. gay subtext. Yeah. Like the yeah. really muscular kid, like the athlete, athletic kid is really muscular and he's having a shower and the nerdy guy walks in yeah. and he's like, oh, sorry. <laughs> and it's like, I hate this place. Yeah, you can't be yourself. And then the next scene, they're just making out. <laughs> the I, end. I, I Want to Go Bone. That's what they could call it. Oh, I want to go. That's but, terrible. Who would you it? cast? I want to go homo. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> now you're thinking. Anderson. You Anderson gets rejected and then bombs one from three. Exactly. And you know what it was? You were, you were straightforward enough. You were a man enough to say, hey, your first try wasn't good enough. Yeah. And that <laughs> just was... sparked you into action. You're like, exactly. holy shit, that wasn't good enough. Because I would have thought that was good enough. I would have been like, that's not bad. I want to go bone. I would have been happy with that. But yeah. you, because you're my friend. <laughs> were kind enough to give me some honest forthright <laughs> feedback on my performance and it raised my performance to a different level. I'm glad I And I help. appreciate that. Uh, I want to go homo. He's great. Who would yeah. you cast? Um, well, they were younger guys. Let's say they're at summer camp. Yeah, but they always cast 20-year-olds in the roles of like, you know. You can cast people 25 and under. Oh, you know who it should be? Who? Uh, Michael Sarah 
As the nerdy guy, yeah. Yeah, but um, uh, Jesse Eisenberg is the cool guy. Because that would just look like they're making out with themselves. <laughs> Doesn't make any sense, though. One's going to be jockey. Okay, uh, that was just fun for me, thinking that it would be fun to see those two guys. <laughs> you could cast... Um, who's, like, the jockeyest? Who's, like, the most, most macho kind of star under 25? Like, you got your Zac Efron's and shit, mm. and Harry Potter's and... Rob uh, what about the, the, the gay werewolf? He's not macho. Like, he's the toughest guy under 25. Is he not tough? He's like Werewolf Man. I've I've seen like the first Twilight when he had the long hair. I've yeah. seen the rest. I don't right. know. No, he doesn't look tough. I'm talking like who's your young Mel Gibson? Who's your young kind of like you know Mad Max? Who 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 play Mad Max? Not Tom Hardy, but under twenty five. Um, kind of a one tough young male star. What films have been out? Tron guy? No, not tough. What about TV shows? There's hardly anyone. That's bizarre, isn't it? If you had to cast, like, a 25-year-old Indiana Jones, who would it be? Well, they'd cast fucking someone like Shia fucking LaBeouf, and he's not... Yeah, right. See, he's another one. He's not tough. Where are the fucking macho men? He is fucking rubbish. Sam Worthington, I guess, would be it, but he's older than me. Yeah. Who's the young one? There's got to be a young, tough guy. Who would they cast as, like, the good-looking rebel who plays by his own rules? I'm really trying to think of somebody. It's it's hard. And I can't think of anybody. I bet people are listening are screaming fucking names out, but I can't think of... Oh, Ryan, Go- oh, Ryan Gosling is the under Yeah, but isn't he like about 400? <laughs> like, I mean, Ryan Gosling's not, not young. He played a fucking, you know, junkie school teacher about five years ago. Yeah. It's weird. I can't think of one guy. Hmm. I mean, I can think of lots of girls. Who'd like, you know, like Ellen Page is the new kind of indie fucking darling. Yeah. Um, Natalie Portman's the new Audrey Hepburn but I can't think of the new fucking tough guy for a young actor it's weird it must be one is that are there martial arts films or boxing films or something coming out oh okay yeah I've got one who um, Will Smith's kid no <laughs> he was the karate kid nah doesn't count he's tough man he doesn't, he doesn't have fucking like fucking kick your ass like when Mark Wahlberg started he was like a you know when Mark, back, where, back when Mark Wahlberg was Marky Mark like he was kind of scary you know he was a pretty boy but he seemed kind of like he could whoop ass <laughs> Don't you think? You know, that's an Eminem lyric, right? What? Back when Mark Wahlberg was Marky Mark. Oh, yeah. <laughs> that wasn't intentional. I thought you were just you, dropping you, in some fat beats. Is that because of my Only Women Bleed thing? You think yeah. all I do now is just, like, quote lyrics from people? Charlie's just like, what the fuck are we going to talk about on TOEFOP? I will look at some song titles. <laughs> and work it into conversation. And see if I can just... And then I'll spot. Hey, Will, do you see what I see? <laughs> Why do birds suddenly appear every time you are near? <laughs> I have no desire to answer that. <laughs> That's terrible. That I, you should be fucking scolding me to fucking pick up my game now. Yeah, I know. I've got lower standards than you. <laughs> I don't think so. I'm willing, I'm willing to accept that sort of rubbish. Is that serious? It's because it's me. Like, if it was one of your funnier uh, comedic friends, you'd be fucking all over them. But you're like, well, he's a fucking civilian. Oh, he's doing his best. He's a civilian. He's having a crack, the little fella. Yeah, like I, I look at you much like a, a you know a firefighter must look at a CFA volunteer. Ah, oh, that's horrible, really. I reckon as a CFA volunteer, I'm better than most fucking firefighters. I'll tell you that right now, Mister Anderson. You fucking prick. I look at you much no much like when like a visiting international <laughs> celebrity like Beyonce is a guest judge on on Australian Idol. Like, okay, that's better. You know, that's a much better metaphor. Both her. I'm Beyonce, right, in this equation? No. What am I? I'm Beyonce. Yeah. And you are one of the fat, retarded people who think they can sing. Oh, I'm auditioning for yeah. Idol. 
Did you not understand that? No, I thought you were saying I was Beyonce and no. you were the rest of the judging panel. No. Oh, no, 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 no. No, 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 no. No, you're just... I'm Wayne the Amateurs. You're a delusional teenager. <laughs> <laughs> Fuck you. And on that note, we're going to finish up. Um, check out our Facebook site. Our website, tofop.com. Will's and got- it has links to all the various things. And send us some emails. You know, uh, we're trying to do the show as regularly as possible. So we'll try to, you know, uh, respond to your, your questions and feedback and stuff like that. And I'm doing shows. Your so show's starting soon. Yeah, yeah, check your local guides. But willanderson.com.au is all my tour dates if you want to come and see me live. And we'll be back next week. I'm Charlie Clawson. I'm Will Anderson. Will Anderson.